and welcome to the Social Sanctuary for a special bonus episode. This week it's Loneliness Awareness Week and today I'm chatting to Louisa Wizzy Magnuson, founder of MindsAnonymous.com, radio host and owner of Wiz Media. Wizzy set up Minds Anonymous to provide a safe space for users to share their mental health stories completely anonymously with the aim to increase the understanding of mental health conditions hoping to abolish stigma. Wizzy, thanks for being on the podcast today. Can you tell our listeners a little more about Minds Anonymous? Sure. So really, it started when I was um, put on furlough and then made redundant. I was a little bit little bit down and I thought I really want to do something positive with this time I suddenly have and um, I myself have had mental health issues in the past um, and I thought what's always really helped me is writing writing those thoughts and those feelings and those experiences down and I did an article about bipolar about uh, probably about a year ago and um, I found the experience of kind of telling my story really quite um, quite therapeutic quite a therapeutic exercise yeah. um, however I was really scared of publishing it because it was going out as me and I thought is this gonna affect my professional life because uh, there I believe there is still a stigma against mental health conditions especially in the workplace and I thought how do I kind of encourage people to write their stories but without giving them that fear of of exposing themselves you know and exposing their kind of their troubles and stuff mm-hmm. and I thought well if I make it anonymous then people can write whatever they like they can they can write their absolute true experiences publish it for other people to see for other people to learn from for to increase the understanding um but they won't have that fear that i had of is this going to affect me am i going to have negative repercussions from this so that's that's really where it started yeah that's amazing so and you started it quite quickly as well didn't you in in lockdown was it when um when an idea comes to me I get a little bit obsessive over it and um I spent <laughs> I spent a day I basically thought right what do I need I need a logo I need a website I need some copy and I need to mm-hmm. do SEO on the website and I need to do this and that. so I did it in it actually took me about 24 hours to from idea generation to launching it um because it just seemed to be the right time for me to do that I think this idea had been Mm -hmm. coming to me for a while and like you know with the branding and stuff I do that as a job anyway through Wiz Media I do design websites and I do do copywriting and um things like that and I'm a a writer I've always been a Mm -hmm. a journalist and a writer so it made sense and it was kind of an accumulation of all my skills I just sort of stuck them all together and thought yeah let's start a mental health website and did it and it just it kind of poured out of me I couldn't stop myself I was I was a little I worked very hard over that one day yeah um but I got it all out, and I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm quite pleased with how it's how it has turned out. It it did seem to all just fall into place. I, I think, as I said, it was the right time. Yeah, so it was a passion project, really, for you as we went into lockdown. Something you yeah. thought about for for a long time, and it's been a huge success as well, hasn't it? So it's helped so many people. Did you expect when you were having that mad 24 hours putting it all together that it would be such a success? 
I thought if it helps one person understand, because I started with a, a couple of my own stories um, mm-hmm. just to put some things out there. And then as soon as I published it, stories came flooding in. And I thought, wow, this is this is working, you know. And I, I didn't really realize what I had, you know. Part of doing it was to give myself a platform where I could be honest and open without fear of judgment or stigma. And um, for it to then sort of take off the way it did um, was amazing um, it's very um very humbling to be honest mm-hmm. and I often, I often think you know because it took me quite because it was quite quick in the making I often think well I better check that I don't want to just adjust it and, and I don't actually it seems to work as it is and and it does seem to help people which is fantastic and we've got a lot of supporting articles on there from professionals now as well um and there's a nice balance of true experiences of people who've suffered with mental health conditions mm-hmm. and supporting article from professional psychologists psychologists and counsellors and things like that um so yeah no I didn't expect it to take off the way it did to have had about nearly 10,000 views now I think and considering it's all it's completely organic as well I haven't spent a penny on PR or marketing Mm -hmm. um I've just done it myself with my partners and my sponsors and luckily I have a lot of great support from other from other professionals that that help me but yeah no didn't expect it (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So I guess as well that because there's no platform like it, there's nowhere for people to submit their stories anonymously. Um, I think that's it's obviously been so powerful for people to engage with that, um, especially if people just feel like they need to just talk to someone. Um, I guess that the platform helps them to feel like they've got a lot off their chest. Um, without having to engage in any traditional counselling services or anything like that. I think the anonymity is really the key to its success, I think, because there are other platforms. There's loads of psychology-based websites and things like that where you can... And there are some Mm -hmm. where you can submit stories or you can submit videos of yourself, but you have to, you know, take that veil away and, and expose yourself and expose your your experiences and because it's anonymous it it just really I think that's really the key you know so um and that really came out of my own fears of of being open and honest and and it's yeah (laughs) yeah have there been any stories on Minds Anonymous that you found really powerful or have you been able to reach back out to anyone who's had the courage to, to share their story or is it all completely anonymous where you just don't have any details on that person to reach out anyway? So for somebody to submit a story, we do have to have their email address and a name, mm-hmm. but they can use a they can use a pseudonym if they want to. Um, but we don't keep those details, and no, we don't reach out to them. There's a there is a disclosure mm-hmm. page that says we will not open up a dialogue with with writers to protect their anonymity. You know, they don't want it's not a counselling service. If they want things like counselling, there are supporting partners that they can reach out to through the website. But mm-hmm. as Minds Anonymous, because Minds Anonymous is essentially me um I run it and I do all the posting and I maintain the website and I kind of do all the background work and I'm not a trained professional so I can't help people on a professional sort of level that's very much for the supporting mm-hmm. partners but your first question have there been any powerful stories um yes I mean all of them and 
they're all so powerful. And what's beautiful about them is they all have some sort of positive message. I think it's actually quite difficult for people to write these stories because it takes them back to those difficult experiences. Mm-hmm. They they always say, people that I know who've written stories will always say that it's a, it, it really got it off my chest, as you said earlier, and it's a cathartic exercise. But to sit down and do it, you have to almost be in a in a slightly recovered space and because yeah. of that, there's a message in pretty much all of them of, I got through this, you know, this is what happened to me, this is what I experienced, but I want to mm-hmm. say to other people, it seems to naturally be lending itself to supporting of each other, so all the writers yeah. on there write supporting content to other people that have experienced it, and it's a very much sort of this sense of not being alone everybody's everybody's together you know everyone has very individual experiences but the fact that we're sharing these experiences is it's supporting each other and making people not feel so alone Mm -hmm. and I guess for people who are struggling who aren't ready to share their own stories yet just reading what other people have experienced and seeing that it's similar to what they're going through is is such a huge help and it'll make a difference to them just seeing other people that have come out of the other side of whatever they're going through exactly and I mean there's a number of I've got a number of people who've reached out to me and said, I want to contribute. I'm mm-hmm. not quite, I'm not quite there yet. And like, that's the beauty of it. It's not going anywhere. Um, there is time. So if you've got in mind, I'd like to write a story. And if, even if it takes you six months or a year to actually write the story, I think the exercise of writing the story is, is a really good one. It's, it is a very good form of therapy in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. It's always helped me uh, writing. I've been writing journals since I was about 11 when my mental health issue started. And I've always found it a very good thing to do. And yeah, so you can read these stories. You can hear that other people have been through something similar. And it does help you not feel so alone. It makes you not feel so isolated. And that's really one of the powerful things of, of the site because people are mm-hmm. so honest. And they really, there's one on uh psychosis and it's um i think it's called the truth about psychosis beyond the tv drama something like that and the detail that the detail that this story goes into about what it's really like to experience psychosis is really really teaches you that what it's like because there's loads of medical Mm -hmm. journals saying well chemically this is what happens and you know this this is the sort of scientific side of it but what about the feelings attached to that illness? What, how does it make you feel? What's the experience? What's the reality mm-hmm. of it? That's what it's called, the reality of psychosis. Um, that was a really powerful one, particularly. Um, there's been a couple on abuse as well, um, which we've actually, I've got content warnings up. So you have to put your birthday in to make sure we can tell that you're over 18 before you access yeah. one or two of the stories just to protect younger people. Cause we don't want to discourage younger people from using the site, but it's, it is more aimed towards adults, I think. Yeah. And I, I guess it must be really rewarding for you as well. Seeing um, people reach out to you that said this, the stories on the site have helped them. It's, it's amazing. It really is. I never ex- I never expected this to happen. I was just building a website because I love building websites. You know, it's part mm-hmm. of what I do. It's part of my work. I love writing. Um, 
I love making things pretty. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I did it really as a, as a project, a, a passion project, as you said, and the way it's taken off and the amount of people it's helped seems to be helping is really humbling. Mm -hmm. I bet. So, and, and you've had a, a really varied career today as well. So uh, yeah. do you find that this is taking over from other uh, things that you do slightly with how busy it is at the moment I, I do have to keep a handle on it I can't mm -hmm. um, and it's what's quite good is we don't have hundreds of stories coming in every day you know a lot of stories so we get we get messages in saying I'm working on something and then there's a period of time before that comes in and then I'll yeah. get supporting articles come in and I try not to spend too much time on it because it's not a business it doesn't make any mm -hmm income um i can't really afford to sort of go full time on it i'd, I'd like to one day be full-time mind synonymous but um yeah so it's, it's quite difficult to keep a handle on how much work i do on it um i have mm -hmm. to be quite i have to be quite organized with all my other work as well and um dip in and out but i i enjoy it so much i love it when a story comes in i get really excited i think wow we've, we've got another one and just the feedback from the writers and the readers is amazing because people do reach out and just say thank you for this and and that's just incredible yeah it's um it must be just brilliant for you to see just a passion project that's turned into a really valuable resource for so many I wanted it to help one person. I thought if one person can read something that I've gone through and realise mm -hmm. that, that maybe they resonated with and understand that condition a bit more or feel less alone, yeah. one person would have made all the work worthwhile, you know. Mm -hmm. all, of, all of the hours I've put in over running Minds Anonymous and setting it up and everything would have been worth it if it helped one person. So the fact that it's now up to t sort of 10,000 views and yeah countless stories and writers is is wonderful <laughs> and that's what is so lovely is just how you wanted to give back i guess from from your own experiences and just with the aim of helping one person but it's been so many more than that um how can we support minds anonymous um maybe if we're we're not wanting to share a story but can we donate is there yeah. other ways to support yeah, we have a crowdfunding campaign on Invest My Community. And if you go on mindsanonymous.com, there's a donate page. And on the donate mm -hmm. page, there's various uh, levels of donation that you can... So we, we basically advertise what you pay for. So say you want to... We produce audiobooks of some of our stories. So if you want to sponsor an audiobook of a story, that's like a £15 donation. And then we can, we can use the studio... To record that audiobook and that pays for that and it goes all the way up to paying for the website itself and um, because it's all self-funded at the moment and so that can all be found through the donate page on the website um we're thinking about getting hoodies made and a few mm -hmm. little bits and pieces for for big donations um but again because it's self-funded we haven't got the capital to put behind it to do that yet and put the money in to to do that but we're working on that but yeah we um that's another thing that's amazing. I, I sort of was advised to set up a crowdfunding page, and I kind of thought, well, who's gonna who's gonna want to do that? You know, especially with lockdown and everything, and charitable giving isn't isn't at the forefront of many people's minds with redundancies yeah. and things like that going on because of COVID. But we've we've raised we've raised a fair amount now. We've raised a few hundred. 
which is going wow. straight straight into the hosting of mm-hmm. the ne- next year's website because that's 250 a year just to host it. Yeah, so that's that's how people can help. So either write a story, read a story. We're looking for more professionals to mm-hmm. partner with. So we've got um, we're partnered with My Cognition, which is a cognitive app. Um, we're partnered, we're sponsored by GSJ Counselling and Onyx Media and Communications. And we're also partnered with the Richmond Fellowship and the Early Intervention Psychosis Team and Way to Wellbeing. What we'd really like is more, I'd love a psychiatrist who can come and offer support or offer supporting content. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love more psychologists, more more professional stuff that I can't provide because I'm not trained, you know. Yeah. So more professional support would be mm-hmm. would be great. So I'd love more of that. Um, yeah. And I guess the more that that network builds up, the more people you can help, the more content you can make. Exactly. And what I'd really love to do is offer services like a counselling service through the site because our, our counselling sponsor is fully booked. She can't really mm-hmm. offer she can't offer one-to-one sessions. But eventually I'd love to build it up and have a sort of bank of different uh, professionals that people can reach directly out to and book through the site so that we can mm-hmm. offer that can offer that extra level of support because at the moment it's just content really. So, yeah, that's a, that's a dream. We also want to create an app. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another sort of dream for the future, which will be like a pocket therapy pad, and in there will be all the supporting partners as well that you can contact directly. So we we've got big plans, but we need some we need a bit more help before we can go forward with them. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the ultimate goal is to create like a community hub where you can access all different types of support and read the stories and and do lots more so that that would be um fantastic do you think that there's still a lot of stigma around suffering from mental health issues i think there's less than less than there was um and the mm-hmm. more we talk about it the more we read about it the more we increase our understanding of it the, the more that stigma is going to be reduced but yes unfortunately there is still a stigma surrounding it particularly i think in the workplace i think um you know there's this whole discussion around disclosure and the problem with not disclosing a mental health condition on an application form for a job is that you are not legally protected so if you become unwell during your work and you haven't told them you have depression or anxiety or PTSD or anything like that um, they can literally sack you if you become unwell and you haven't told them However, mm-hmm. if you do tell them, are you in danger of not getting that job? We we had somebody reached out through Minds Anonymous um, regarding, should I tell your work? Should I tell my work? That story on there, which is all about disclosing in the workplace. And they said, I, I can't get a job. I fill it out. I'm honest about my condition and nowhere will hire me. And that's just shocking. And it has to change. But I think with the, with the promotion and the what's happening now is with flexible working, remote working and agile working, people with mental health conditions, even the the severe mental health conditions can access more work opportunities because there Mm -hmm. is more flexible and remote working. Because for some people, for somebody with a mental health condition, it might be too much for them to get on a train and go into London. That might cause them too much anxiety. Doesn't mean they're not going to be really good at the job. So yeah. I think companies need to accommodate people with mental health conditions, realise that just because they have a mental health condition, that doesn't mean they're not going to be phenomenal workers because quite a lot of people with this, with these conditions are 
very articulate and very intelligent. One thing that surprises me about the content was I thought I'd be editing heavily these stories. Like I, I kind of expected to have to proofread and edit. I've barely touched a single word on any story because they've been so well written. And I think part of that is because they're, it's coming from the heart. And I, yeah, I agree that there's a lot of work to be done in, in workplaces. And uh, and as well on social media, you see a lot of stigma on there. People who've had the courage to share their stories and then you get people saying that it's not valid or or they need to get a grip and things like that. And I think everyone's story is their own and it's valid and no one should should judge but um i think for for certain um workplaces they're either really good at at um supporting staff well-being and mental health or they're just the opposite end of the scale and there's just no support there i think that's right i think it's quite extreme i don't think that there's there are some great companies and great workplaces Mm -hmm. but even in the ones that have mental health networks um for people and they have wellness exercises and meditation classes it can still be sometimes i think used against the person with the mental health condition and not approached in the right way and this is really the whole reason we started minds anonymous or i started minds anonymous was to really break down that that stigma and where does stigma Mm -hmm. come from i think stigma comes from fear and a place of ignorance Mm-hmm. And ignorance, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. People simply don't no. know. You know, you can say that a person is ignorant. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, they simply don't know and they don't understand. And I think the conversations need to be happening because so many people have mental health conditions and suffer with their mental health. I would, you know, they say it's sort of one in four. That might be quite an old statistic now. Um, but I think particularly because of because of covid um, I think more people are uh, suffering with particularly high levels of anxiety, and it's it's just yeah. so common. The amount of people that have that I've known for a long time that have kind of come out the woodwork and said, "Me, you know, I've suffered this as well." That really resonated with me, and I think, "Wow, I, I have no idea that you had experienced depression," and because people still keep it hidden. And I think we we mm-hmm. need to be honest, and we need to humanize business, and realize that. People are not robots. People can't work. People are not going to fire on all cylinders all the time. You're not going to be 100% all the time. And even just being taking care of your staff needs to really be the most important yeah. thing. It's happy staff equals productive workers mm-hmm. equals more profits. It's simple. Exactly. And I think for for people that have been turned away from a job because of a mental health condition, um, what employers sometimes forget is that the work is a distraction so like you were saying earlier it doesn't mean that they're going to do a bad job because of that condition if anything they'll probably work a hundred times harder than the average employee i think that's so true i think the people that i know who have particularly severe mental health conditions are so hard working and so uh, kind of loyal to their to their companies as well because they're mm-hmm. there's almost a kind of 
feeling of I'm, I'm kind of lucky to be in in a yeah. job. And that's so wrong. We shouldn't feel lucky to be in jobs. They they should feel lucky to have us. You know, because mm-hmm. I think you get very high functioning people with mental health conditions, and intelligence and mental health conditions can sometimes go together. I think as well. So I don't know because I'm not not a professional, but um, we're missing out on so much talent. It's only I was um, on my my radio show, The Business Of, I did The Business Of The Richmond Fellowship with Darren Ayres, who's mm-hmm. um, one of the leaders at The Richmond Fellowship. And he said to me, a statistic they found is 9% of people with mental health conditions, severe mental health conditions, like schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, things like that, are in work, yet 85% of them want to be. So now we're missing out. We've got a, a troubled economy, particularly yeah. with everything that's been going on recently. We need to get these people into work. It can it mm-hmm. can help them. It can help the economy. We need to accommodate people with mental health conditions better because we're missing out on key talent that's mm-hmm. very much available. And he also, interestingly, was saying that meaningful work can be a very important part of recovery for somebody with something like schizophrenia. Having that purpose, getting up and having something to do and going to work and being valued, being appreciated – can really help you recover. So it's not only good for the employers because it opens up a massive talent pool, but it's good for the individuals as well. It's just good for everybody. Definitely. And like you said, it's important for people to feel like they've got a purpose because um, when they're just at home, lonely, that that's when things start to deteriorate. And I think that employers, especially in the application process, it's just the easy option to not give someone an interview because they might have disclosed a, a medical or mental health condition on there. But I think a lot of the stigma is generational as well because it's yeah. something that... Um, you know wasn't spoken about openly even 10 years ago so yeah it used to be a complete taboo you know Mm -hmm. and that's because and 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 we're still not quite over that yet there's still a lot of shame attached to mental health um a lot of people feel like they're sort of failing like it's their fault Mm -hmm. like it's something to be ashamed of but it's not you know you can and I also think because of that a lot of people don't seek the right help and they don't recover and they end up not living their best life because they can't get through it and you need to understand it and look at your own condition and, and seek that support and it's not weakness it's not weak to have a mental health condition. It's incredibly strong to face it and to come through it and to approach a recovery phase of your life. That's very strong. And yet people don't feel that they are strong, I don't think, a lot anyway. Yeah, I think I agree. I think tackling it is the, is the bravest thing you can do. And then you can be so proud when you come out the other side of it um, because it if you share your experiences then even if you just uh, do it for yourself and talk to friends about it that you'd be surprised at how many people around you have experienced similar things so it'll always help other people as well so another thing that's interesting when I talk to sort of friends of mine who are quite supportive of the site they say to me since you started Minds Anonymous the amount of people that are coming out and saying 
I felt like this too is remarkable. And I know it in mm-hmm. my own life, it just seems to me that everybody has experienced something where yeah. their mental health has suffered a little bit, um, at least. And so it's just so common. It needs to be normalized. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that people don't always realize that what they are experiencing is um, mental health, worries, anxieties. And that's a um, lack of understanding. Yeah, I think sometimes it's easier just to think, oh, you know, I'll just think about something else and move on. Just talking about the um, loneliness again as well. So a recent article published by The Guardian states that a million over 65s are still at risk of loneliness as we move out of lockdown. Um, charities have outlined how many are still struggling. Um, how can we do all do our bit um, to support those who are feeling lonely, even as restrictions have eased so much in recent months? We've actually just had an article on exactly this. It's called Connectedness to Tackle Loneliness mm-hmm. on MindsAnonymous.com from our, from our sponsor at GSJ Counselling, Jill Jardine. Um, and she talks about... Her, one of her analogies is when you're coming to stage in your life where your children are leaving home and so you might be about 65 you might be that sort of age group where everybody's leaving home you haven't got the family anymore and you're at great risk of becoming lonely and the way she talks about tackling it is plan it recognize what's going to happen you know are you going to suddenly be on your own and think of ways that you can fill that time by giving giving back to the community can be very good because that can give you a great sense of self-worth so perhaps take on some volunteering um perhaps join some social groups join some community groups join some exercise groups go for a walk with the dog and bump into your neighbors um these little things putting little time slots in place of activities where you're not going to be alone can ease those feelings of loneliness and i think how we support lonely people is it has to start with checking up on people Give them a call. Call your mum. Call your grand, your aunt, your stepsister who's much older or younger. I think a lot of young people are experiencing loneliness as well and um, isolation, particularly Mm -hmm. in lockdown. I think people who live on their own being locked down, I think it's been particularly challenging for them because they literally have been isolated. Loneliness is is, um, defined as a feeling of isolation. Well, they have been isolated. It's not just a feeling, it's their reality. They've been isolated. So I think we've got to look after each other. We've got to check up on people. If you know people who live on their own or people who have had a big change in their life, so perhaps their kids have moved off to university, check up on them. See if they fancy a natter over the phone or now that things are opening up a little bit, um, a coffee or something like that. It's, It's little things. It doesn't have to be... A big, I'm going to scoop this person up and stop them being lonely. Nobody has that power over anyone else. If you're the one experiencing loneliness, you might need to take some steps to help yourself. But to help each other, it's opening up the conversation. So the hashtag for it's loneliness awareness week this week is let's talk loneliness. And um, it's all about opening up about it and talking about the experiences that you're having and coming to understand them. And that's really what the article that we've just put on Minds Anonymous is about. It's about understanding loneliness. Starts with a dictionary definition. Jill Jardine loves her dictionary definitions to start 
on a topic and it's it's a great way to open up a subject because it gets mm -hmm. an understanding of exactly what we're talking about and then she goes into how to manage these feelings of whatever we're talking about and the experience of loneliness is, is a very shared experience everybody feels lonely sometimes and even in cities i think particularly in cities we live in london millions of people you can feel so alone sometimes more alone than if you live in the countryside where everyone says hello as you walk past people don't do that in london people walk and are totally contained in their own world so it can be a very lonely place even when you're surrounded by millions of people loneliness and, and isolation don't necessarily mean the same thing you feel isolated and feel lonely but even if you're in a group of people if you're feeling lonely maybe they're not the right people maybe you need to look for people you can feel connected to it's all about connectedness so if you can mm -hmm. find a group of people or one person where you have something that clicks in your brain something in common a shared experience that gives you a feeling of connectedness yeah i think what you said as well about keeping busy if you're experiencing change or find yourself on on your own that is really powerful because just planning things in like really small tasks at set times of the day can help you to feel like you've got plans um because the moment you stop i found it a lot in lockdown if i stopped and didn't have any plans then that's when you can start to feel like lonely and a bit sad about the situation so it is it is important to keep busy if you can and even if you're working from home I always say just treating it like a normal work day keeping that routine is important as well I think routine is really good for mental health it's certainly helped me I now I have a very good sleep routines so I find sleep is incredibly important for my mental health if I don't have a good night some of my symptoms can come back Mm -hmm. um so i i tend to spring out of bed around six and i'm in bed at sort of nine or ten at night and that's just my sleep routine and that's a really good thing and for me i kind of portion out my day so i work completely remotely and my husband works in london so i'm on my own all day every day but i'm, I'm always talking to people but it's it's over zoom and things like that yeah. so it's not the same as connecting with people but getting out there and scheduling in so now i schedule in social time as well to see friends and things like that and having a routine can yeah as you said can be really really good for you i think and if you know it's about understanding yourself if you start having these emotions, these feelings of sadness or anxiety or loneliness, I think there's a certain amount of having a look at that and trying to understand what you're feeling and trying to articulate it and going, okay, well, I'm feeling like this. What can I do about this? It's the first step to moving through it and tackling it is learning about it and understanding it. You know, Google is your friend. Look up. If you've been diagnosed mm -hmm. with something, look it up. See if other people are experiencing the same thing as you. Um, and again, it comes back to what Minds Anonymous is about. It's about increasing the understanding of mental health. And what I'd quite like, actually, is more stories of kind of generalized anxiety disorder and almost like less less troubling conditions because a lot of it's quite it's quite, yeah. quite quite extreme. And I almost feel like people might feel slightly alienated by the stories in a way because they are quite extreme conditions that, that are gone into. So I would encourage people who have had a little bit of sadness or a little bit of anxiety to also write their stories because mm -hmm. we need to 
we need to get this idea out there that everybody experiences these things sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. And getting that balance as well, like you said, a real broad range of experiences. Mm. But I think um, with you saying the stories are quite extreme on the site, I think that that's what prompts a story if someone's had that extreme experience and people might not think about sharing their experiences if they don't see it as something that's significant enough. Um, but everything's valid there's no scale of suffering you know like everybody suffers and if you've had a panic attack that can be as disturbing as somebody who's experienced psychosis because it can be the most troubling experience you've, you've had so there is no measurement nobody's suffering is any you know we all we all suffer and there's no scale of it um so if you've if you've had anxiety that is valid. That's a valid experience. That's a mental health concern. You know, even if you've only had it for one day and then you were fine again because you managed to tackle it, well, tell that story. Say, how did you defeat your day of anxiety or your one panic attack? Because that could be really helpful to everybody else. Yeah, and there's not a lot of um, support out there for just mild spells of anxiety and and just short struggles with mental health. Um, I found that in general, it's all really extreme or certain conditions. So it would be nice to see more people opening up about just um, short spells of, of something, particularly anxiety and panic attacks, um, because I think people don't see it as a valid issue unless it's something that's recurring as well. Yeah, exactly. But it is a valid issue. If you if you have a sad day, that's a valid thing to talk about. And it's also a necessary thing to talk about. Even if we only have short spells of sort of mental health troubles, if we don't open up about them and don't experience them, then we're less capable of tackling it next time it happens. Yeah. So we need those, we need those more, we need to normalise it. So I would encourage people to write I mean, also, what I'd also quite like is people to write about experiences of knowing someone with a mental health condition, you know, mm-hmm. the the wife of somebody with bipolar or the brother of somebody with depression. What's it like from an outsider's perspective, seeing somebody you love go through mental health? So I'd like stories like that to come on as well. Um, I just want lots of stories. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any top self-care tips or advice for anyone who is struggling or anything you like to do if you're struggling yourself? Yeah, I think my first tip would be to de-stimulate. If you are feeling overwhelmed with a particular emotion, be it sadness, anxiety, even elation and happiness, if you if you tend to go up sometimes, if you know you're going to crash down if you are feeling experienced stimulation if you're bipolar or something like that turn everything off do some breathing exercises you can just you don't have to go into a full-blown meditation just breathe stretch your body turn the television off turn the radio off just sit with your feeling and work through it and let it come out if you need to you know have a few tears or something like that let yourself allow yourself feel the way you feel I think is my top tip because I think a lot of people struggle against how they're feeling but instead of struggling against it you need to work through it and come out the other Mm -hmm. side 
so that it doesn't become an issue. Because I think mental health concerns can develop if we kind of bottle things up too much and use our defence mechanisms too much against our feelings. Things can get worse and they can escalate. So to keep well, I would pay attention to your feelings. Um, have time out nature is great go out for walks um i can't do much of that at the moment because i have a bad ankle but um i still make it outside being outside in the air looking at the trees practicing mindfulness again mindfulness is is becoming a lot more understood now and a lot more people are taking it on i think some people are a bit think it's a bit a bit extreme you know mindfulness you have to meditate and you have to kind of get into this zen mode well you don't and mindfulness is really just about being in the present moment and if you're struggling with a feeling of anxiety perhaps that's relate perhaps you're thinking about the future if you're struggling Mm -hmm. with a feeling of depression perhaps you're thinking about the past that's kind of a well-known thing anxiety future depression past so be in the present moment and just live today and take in the air look at the trees, look at the birds, have a few moments of just calm and that can help you with a difficult emotion, I think. Also, like we said earlier, routine, getting good sleep. Sleep is so important. Um, Good diet, enough exercise. I found exercise when I was really unwell, I found exercise a huge help. Um, My gym sessions became absolutely part of my systems of self-care. Mm-hmm. And and really helped me. So I think physical exercise and getting outside is really important for mental health. And it's been really difficult during lockdown because obviously we were only allowed out for a certain amount of time a day. But it's important to get that outside time. And luckily it's the summer now. Yeah, and being outside, exercising, it's all so important. Um, like you said, last year we didn't have so much of that luxury. So we can make the most of it. Again now, now yeah. that we can go out without time limits. <laughs> I did a I did an episode called The Business of Fitness and Mental Health with um with a lady from my network on uh, on Connections Radio, part of my part of my work, and she was so passionate about the connection between physical health and mental health that they really are the same thing. This is the other thing that annoys yeah. me. We, we we talk about physical health and mental health as if they're separate, but it's really all health. I don't think mm-hmm. they should be separate at all. No. And the connection with how you feel when you're exercising um, mentally, that, you know, it's clear that it's all, all the same. And it releases endorphins, doesn't it, and serotonin. So it's, you know, natural mm-hmm. natural happy hormones. So I think it can be fantastic, especially if you're a bit depressed. However, saying that, it can be very, very difficult to get out and do that if you're experiencing something like depression. So I think you've got to be gentle with yourself as well, not push it, not push yourself too much if you're in that place. Yeah, but just taking those baby steps, really. All about baby steps, yeah. And when I was, when I was really ill... I used to make a list, a to-do list every day. Mm-hmm. And when I when I was very unwell, it was get out of bed, make mm-hmm. a cup of tea, go downstairs. And I would tick these things off. And if I managed to tick them off, I was having a good day. And then as I got more and more well, they'd turn into, you know, produce a radio show. They turned into go for a walk. It turned into seeing a friend, seeing a family member. And these yeah. goals, these goals got more complex the better I got. And I still use lists now mm-hmm. um, and still tick things off because it's, it's a good way of measuring how you're doing. And so, but I started with very baby steps. I started with, you know, getting out of bed. And that was a big thing to do. It might be the only thing on my list for that whole day get out of bed but if I managed it 
I was a little bit better the day after. Yeah. And like you said as well, it's it's important to give yourself those small roles, but then not beating yourself up too much if you have an occasional day that's that's maybe not as good as the one before. Yeah, duvet days are great. I love duvet and dizzy days. <laughs> <laughs> um, every now and then, if I get completely exhausted, because I do work, I work quite a lot and I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm quite a hard worker so I work yeah. I work a lot of the time and I do multiple projects and stuff and every now and then I just wake up and I think right today I need to hit the hit the sofa and wrap myself in blankets um and just have a have a day of chilling and, and Netflix and chill and, mm-hmm. and it's okay to do that you don't have to be active every day it's just have a have a routine most of the time and then have the odd day where you do whatever you feel like and that's quite good yeah. for yourself as well I think Oh, it's so important to have that time out, definitely. Um, Thanks so much for joining me on today's episode, Wizzy. It's been amazing to hear about Minds Anonymous and, and all of the success that you've had with that and some fantastic advice as well. And um, Where can we find you on social media? So you can find you can find everything through the mindsanonymous.com website and mm-hmm. there's a link to our Facebook page which is Minds Anonymous. I'm Minds Anonymous Stories on Instagram and Minds Anonymous One on Twitter and Minds Anonymous on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Harvey. It's been really nice to chat. Thank you for joining me for this bonus episode and to Wizzy for joining me on the podcast today. I've linked lots of helpful resources in the show notes below, including details on how you can support Minds Anonymous. I'll be back with Series 3 of The Social Sanctuary later in the year. See you all very soon.